Um, so today's podcast has to do with um, how new media entities are able to use cross ownership or joint ownership in similarly um, affiliated um, affiliated brands or products uh, to gain market dominance. I know it seems kind of complicated, but it's not. So let's first let's do a little bit of history. A little while ago, I guess a while long time ago, um, old media essentially comprised of uh, magazines, uh, periodical magazines, newspapers, daily newspapers or weekly newspapers or tabloids. Um, broadcast television, broadcast radio, and that is how people got their news and information for the most part. And so, in the United States, the Federal Communications Commission, which was um, was um, in that was enacted um, con- pursuant to um, con- Congress regulation, decided to um, regulate media so one entity or one owner doesn't have too much control over the the um, of all of the the information and news that people get. So, for example. If um, one company, let's say, was uh, was was liberal, let's say, political divisions or or, or or conservative, and they owned all the newspapers in one town, that means they would essentially control the slant of the newspaper, and they would have, you know, they can, you know, suppress some sort of content or promote some other sort of content, and they can they can really, you know, back then media really controlled everything. Like you controlled, it told you what you needed to know, what you think is important. It was very very powerful. It still is powerful, but now it has to share it with new media. So FCC in its wisdom decided to, to minimize it. So you can only own but a certain amount, percent, you know, percentage. Um, so that is horizontal. So if I owned a radio station, I can only own but like a certain number of radio stations. And let's say cross-ownership, if I wanted to own like a magazine and a radio station, I can only own but a certain number of magazines and, um, it's of, not magazines, newspapers and television stations and radio stations. After a certain while, there's a cutoff and I cannot own anymore. And that was ordered to protect the consumer. And then that was horizontal ownership. Then there was this thing called vertical ownership, where's the conduits, where you have cable, you have broadcast stations. So these are the, I'm not broadcast stations, the conduit. These are the people who transmit um, content. So the broadcast stations versus the broadcast TV programmers. So if I was CBS and I owned all of these stations and I owned the, you know, radio stations and magazines, that's like vertical and horizontal ownership. So there was also limits in terms of how much you can own up and down, which is the conduit, which is like the broadcast, the radio and the, um, all the different, um, um, cable and now we have files and we have fiber optics but all the different conduit and also horizontal you can also own the the the, the content so essentially the, the, the newspapers and the, the the content that goes through the um the cable and the broadcast station so that was old time long time ago and recently um you know the internet's not regulated you may have heard a little bit about some attempts to regulate the internet and i think there's been some success but that's related to something called net neutrality and essentially in a nutshell it was um um uh, content providers or people who, who reach audiences or allow on the internet were concerned that the people on the internet backbone, so the um, level threes and the, the, I guess it's, I don't know, Comcast or the different companies that own the internet backbone would do what's called a pay to play. They would essentially push content of those people who they have relationships or partners with or who pay them. So if you pay the money, you'll get your content through faster. And then that way the, their service, the, the customers will be more happier for those who pay and those who don't pay, their customers are going to get slower service. And obviously that's going to, the customer service is going to impact their business. And so, 
you know, they were concerned about that. So they pushed the FCC to sort of regulate these backbone providers, even though over time and more recently, we learned that um, the folks who were making the biggest push, like Netflix, for example, we discovered that they were actually doing their own sort of discrimination. Netflix had a relationship with one of the wireless companies. I think it was Sprint or one of the maybe T-Mobile. And when Netflix was doing was giving a favorite relationship so that the the the, the, the um, that they were letting content that goes to the the new the wireless provider their relationship with go through faster than someone who had a Verizon phone or Verizon wireless or had an AT and T phone or some other brand like maybe um, 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 Cricket Wireless or whatever, so they got busted doing that. They admitted it got busted doing it, but um, so but, but nonetheless they admitted it, but they're not really regulated because the regulation only applied to the conduit. Um, we're going forward, we're not regulated, but I did notice recently three examples of how new media is now. Now, the cross-ownership in new media is giving the, the owners or the people who are in the relationship a competitive advantage. Here are three examples that I have. One is an old example where, for example, I, um, blogger, I used to have a blog on blogger platform, which is Blogspot. Blogspot. Google eventually owned, took over and purchased Blogspot. What I discovered is that when I was on Blogger, a lot of my content went, I got huge traffic. I got like quarter million traffic. And that is because uh, it, was, it was on Blogger, Google owns it. They sort of pushed content from their own associated affiliated property through search feeds, more so than you know, so WordPress or Squarespace or Wix or some other non-affiliated um, company. And so, for example, in Google created its own sort of social media network called Google Plus. I discovered I was getting a lot of views. I got like 60 plus page views, 60 million page views. And that's because whenever someone did a search for a Picasso or some more of this stuff, it would push up my images or my pictures first. And so that's how I was able to get a lot of traffic and a lot of ranking and boost up there. And so that's one example of competitive example advantage for relationships, you know, similarly owned um, um entities. The second example I saw, I've noticed recently was um, Instagram and Facebook. So as we all know, Facebook is like the number one, you know, social media platform has 1.5 billion users. So Facebook recently acquired Instagram and Facebook um, really recently realized how to monetize itself. One way it did that is before, and I was I was around in the old days. Whenever you push content through your Facebook feed, it'll go to everyone who followed you, and it will go to everyone in the Facebook feed. I remember looking at my analytics when I did looked at my analytics. It would show like five thousand people per post. It was really really great. I took it for granted. What I did recently though is I discovered that. Um, oh, yeah, so what they eventually did, they decided we're not going to push it through. You, you'll pay us to push it through. And so that's how Facebook's able to make money. So all those little small players who make our money, and a lot of people made millions off of reaching folks, they now have to pay. But that's fine because, you know, that's just how it is now. So Instagram now is owned by Facebook. Facebook is doing the same thing because Instagram really didn't have a profitable um, advertising model besides the big players. So now the Instagram is doing the same thing. They all put it under the guise of, you know, quality control or want you to get to the people who you communicate with most so that's what they're saying um or we're, we're only pushed to something that's organic like people are already interested in so if people are sharing it if people are retweeting it, uh, not retweeting resharing it or posting a comment and all that, that means it's popular that means it's a type of content that people want so we're going to push that content so if you don't organically have that push and reach you're just not going to get taught people aren't going to see your stuff unless you pay so now instagram's doing the same thing so when instagram recently decided to have business profiles what they did with the business profiles is they let you there's benefits to the business 
business profile. So if you already have a Facebook page, already have an AdWord set up, and you want to do an ad through Facebook, it's very easy to use their, their, their desktop tool to connect it and have your ad go to Facebook and have your ad also go to um, Instagram at the same time. And, you know, you pay one fee and it's seamless. So that's great. The other benefit of, of, of linking the two accounts is that they add analytics. So that's really great. So if you want to know when is your site's most popular, when it goes when it goes through the feed most popular, or when um, when people are engaging more, then you know that's the time you want to post your content. You want to schedule it to post at that sort of time. Or if you have a relationship with a brand and you want to show them an ROI or show like this is how, you know, this is the, this is the reach you got when I posted your content um, in order to get more business with them, um, you could use it that way. That's the second way that you can use the, that was the benefit of it. I learned this week a third way that that's beneficial, but this is what gets back to my integration and the competitive advantage, that if you push your content, if you have a posting and you push it and share it on Insta- Facebook and it goes straight to your Facebook account, now that they're linked, the Facebook algorithm will take content that comes from Instagram and it'll push it to the fore and it gives it a favorable ranking. So it's going to get more engagement. It's going to be seen by more eyeballs. That is compared to if you either put the content on directly yourself or if you use another system. So, for example, I use Twitter feed sometimes to, to, to push my um, stuff, that my, my puck post to my Facebook page. Or if you use Hootsuite or you use Buffer or some other sort of program, they're not going to get the same boost as if you go through Instagram, which is related to Facebook. And that is another example how similarly situated co-owned properties use that to make a competitive advantage over their competitors. The um, third one is um, Twitter, for example. I don't know if Twitter has a relationship with um, MailChimp, but any mail servicing company that um, that Twitter allows to create cards without paying. Um, I was able recently to create a, a Twitter card, and I was able to you know have create a lead magnet that goes straight to my Twitter page, and I can pin it to the top of my page. So if I want to get people to subscribe to my list, or I want to promote an ebook, or a course, or some sort of something else, I can just pin it on there, and boom, you know, instant lead magnet, and that's free. And, but Having that set up there also gets me, in order to create that card, I have to go through Facebook's ad module. I mean, Twitter's ad module. So that's getting me a little bit more comfortable with the Twitter ad ad system and it makes it easy for me if I have that card there and I want to promote that card I'm already in the system so it's you know I could just add $20 whatever and promote it and see how it works and that's a great way of, of giving um, getting more um, people who are already on MailChimp or on all of these companies on the other sites mail sites to now finally become Twitter businesses and that's kind of actually smart but again if you're one of the mail services that don't have that relationship the Twitter doesn't integrate this allow to sit across then you won't get the same competitive advantage um so this is a symbiotic relationship, but you're you're gonna be, you know, you know, you're gonna be able to offer that service and so people may leave your services and go to MailChimp because MailChimp has that. And there's the same way that um um Twitter was able to sort of essentially kill Meerkat is because when it kicked Meerkat off its of social graph in order to prioritize and, and, and sort of encourage more people to use Periscope, which is more easy to go through, what they essentially did was made, you know, Periscope grew, Meerkat didn't grow. Um and that's because they had the, the cross relationship. So that's an example of how Twitter was able to use their own and Periscope, and then also perhaps partnership with with Mailchimp and other service providers to give them a competitive advantage over competitors. So that's the third example. The fourth and final example came with the Olympics. Watching the Olympics, looking at the commercials for the Olympics, and I see that 
um, Xfinity, which I have now, which is a cable conduit, um, is also owned is, has ownership in, owned by Comcast. And Comcast again, um, NBC is okay is owned by NBC. NBC creates content, so again horizontal, and then um, NBC has you know broadcast um, you know affiliate stations that you know you know it maybe have a network or so sort of thing across the across the nation. But um, by NBC owning the conduit, which is Comcast, you now can look at the Olympics. You have more options. So for example. Um, Infinity have different apps, and through the apps, I can look at content that other people can access. Like in order for someone to access um, um, Olympic games that aren't on TV, because NBC has that exclusive um, contract, they have to wait till it comes on, or they can watch it again through NBC site. Again, that's like a relationship through NBC. They can watch it through NBC site, or they can wait till NBC comes on, but they're not going to get it any other way now because. People in Xfinity, they get that extra boost because we can now watch all these other shows using the Xfinity app. And the reason why they have the app is because Xfinity is owned by NBC. So Verizon customers can't do that. Cox customers can't do that. You know, Dish Television people, they can't get that same access because they don't have the relationship with NBC. So that's how that relationship, they're, they're, they're given the competitive advantage. So, you know, people like us, so someone was, was a really diehard Olympics fan, they may leave, you know, their existing one to come over to Xfinity because Xfinity has this all these extra services that um, they're not going to get from all these other non you know non-related um, um, service providers like Verizon Wireless or Cox or Dish. So that's like the fourth example. Um, these aren't regulated, but that's just you know it's capitalism. That's America, and I just thought that was interesting um, thing to point out. Not to necessarily make an you know, I'm not taking any position on it. It's just something that I notice when I notice these sort of things. I like to put it on record uh, and put it out there, and just you know, and voice notes and podcasts are easier to do versus writing it out because this would take forever to write it out. And in order to have some sort of credibility, I would have to hyperlink it to sources. But if you do a podcast, you don't have to do all that stuff. But I wanted to put it on record. So a lot of times I, I post things on podcasts, and later on, some other bigger entity, not necessarily you know, copying off, they may get the same, come up the same, you know, solution. Conclusion, and they'll do a post on it, and I can get the gratification. Say, hey, I'm a small shop, whatever, and I, I thought of that first, and I put it out there. So I just want to put it out there. So those are the things. And so in the future, I don't think no one's going to regulate, and that's just how it is. But you know, it's just something I noticed and wanted to share um, because that just came up a lot recently. Um, and then that's it. So that been a 10 minute podcast, but that went a little bit over. That's uh, going on 14 minutes now. But that's Jennifer Jennifer speaks on Twitter, JennifaSpeaks.com. Hope that's helpful to anyone. Bye.